0: Um, <clears throat> so, today's presentation is about um, the fact that, you know, at, here at UC Davis, we have, well, where are you guys from? Where are you from? Berkeley. Berkeley. And you? Davis. Davis. okay. So, basically, it's all Davis people, except for you. Um, Sorry. Okay, very good. Uh, that's the other thing I was going to ask is how many of you guys know what document management is or sort of how it works, how much background should I do in that. I have a little section prepared that's just a sort of a, a quick overview of, of how it works. Um, I could, If you've got any questions, just stop me and I'll tell you. Uh, I would say that it's very pertinent to, um, you know, today's economic climate. People ask me a lot, uh, in fact, because we keep having all these brainstorming budget session ideas. I mean, I've been trying to sell this to anybody who will listen that that and and Martha you don't even want to get her started that this is these systems hold huge potential for saving money. And it's as all systems are, it's difficult. Uh, and I'm I'm Paul Drobney, I'm in student affairs. I'll give you my card if you want to call or write or whatever. Um uh, They hold huge potential because, in fact, uh, there's a cultural barrier like there is with all systems, but it's just huge the amount of money you can save and still have the same information set, and on top of that, you integrate it to your your student information system or any other legacy system or many systems, and you're able to... um, you know, essentially use your systems, but pull up the documents that are associated with, and that is called unstructured data. When you know, in other words, the the documents are pictures of pieces of paper. So you really still have the paper, but it's associated with an automatic system. So you can look things up by indexes, and and still, um, and still have all your regular data there as well. Uh, let's see. So these are the things I'm going to cover. Um, I, I'll try not to have it go long. I'll just watch your guys' eyes, and when you start to doze off, I'll switch the topic or whatever. Uh, let's see here. We used a contractor when we bought the thing in the first place. There was three offices in student affairs, admissions, financial aid, and registrar that wanted to use the thing. We tried to do a joint Project so that we only had to go get the money one time. Um, it turns out, of course, that these systems, all systems, all automation, economies of scale is where you save your money. So the more people that, that use the thing, the cheaper it is. Uh, if you do it on a you know per page basis, it, it starts to become outrageously cheap, like photocopier you know, expense, only it's all integrated into your system. They're really pretty uh, easy to integrate. I'm going to talk about the integration and the tight versus loose issue. Um, originally, when we bought the thing, um, it, uh, we, we were looking at just going out and buying the vendor solution that, that theoretically just plugs in to the student information system. And when we had our group, we gathered all these people up, and we did RFQs. And and um, when we did all of our voting about what system we liked the best, the SunGuard product didn't win. It lost. And this product, uh, Hyland OnBase, won. So we found ourselves in a situation with, uh, you know, in, in which we were going to have to integrate to the... Um, Oops, let's go back here. Uh, we're going to have to integrate to the uh, banner instead of – and, you know, from from the outside, that looks like the crazy way to do it because, well, geez, we could just go out and buy a product and plug it in, a product that we already know a whole bunch about and everything. So it it's, did seem kind of crazy. Um, the question really was, what were we buying What what did we like so much about this other product that we're willing to pay more and have to integrate more to use it? Well, that's sort of the the tight versus loose coupling issue, too, as well. Um, So here's the EDMS basics part of the presentation. Essentially, it's photos of documents. Um, like all systems, like this was a big deal to most of our users right here. This was probably the biggest deal of all. They they really cared about whether they were going to be able to um, hide their documents from each other, essentially. Uh, You know, instead of seeing, again, it's a cultural thing, instead of seeing that this was a way that they could share documents, um, they instead saw the fact that Oh, you mean someone might get into our data store and see our data? I'm not sure that's something we want or in fact some offices I know that have gone through this this decision making process have decided flat ass they can't do it. It cannot be done because we can't allow our data on the network like that. Well I don't know, it's sort of short sighted, I'm afraid that kind of thing. Um, This is another big deal that we don't take a lot of advantage of right now, Um, but document retentioning, okay, I'm going to gaze in my crystal ball, and I'm going to say, oh, in the future, document retentioning is going to be far more important than it is today, and that's because, well, for one thing, now at Cal, you guys already... Our Division One NCAA school and have been forever. We just became a Division One school, and along with it comes all of the concomitant um, people suing you because they're not being treated fairly, and uh, these can these these things can be painful, and you have to come up with all this documentation when. Uh, the legal industry gets involved in, and what do they call that, discovery, when you got to get into discovery and you have people who are executive assistants that spend weeks going through the files, getting all the files out together. Automatic retentioning allows you both to go select all of these things and print them if you need to, to give to the other side so they can see what you have. But also, you can just get rid of it, or you can archive it and put it somewhere else. And that stuff is all sort of automatic. This was part of the reason why we wanted a document system. I mean, we could have also just built our own. In fact, I've heard many people on campus say, gee, why don't we just build our own? It's so simple. All you have to do is scan. You know, we can buy a scanner. They're cheap. We'll put it in some directory structure. But in fact, the document system allows you to store where the documents are. In other words, there's a Microsoft directory. You store all these documents in some order. But in a database, you store pointers to the documents. You don't store the documents in the database. You, You store pointers to the documents. And that makes the database small and fast, and it also allows you to just store TIFF files that are pictures of documents, and it's very easy to integrate that with an already existent record system, which the student information system is. And that stuff is called metadata, you know, I mean, really, if you think about it, it's really exactly like any other database application, it's just a database. and. And then the only difference is, is you, you make a skip to a directory structure and then you go over there and pick up the thing and bring it up in, in your browser or, uh, you know, client. So this one we bought has, um, you know, a FAT client, a, uh, uh, a web client, and APIs. So you can, under programmatic control, get to all of these things. Uh then they also are most... A lot of them are associated with a workflow, which sort of as part of our RFQ, we said we didn't really want a workflow because we thought we should start simple. And I also thought when you throw a workflow in there, you're throwing in all the sort of um, complications that programming brings to any project. And uh, one of the... Re- they sell these things based on the fact that you don't, quote, don't need programmers. And in a sense, that's right... In another sense, it's not right because it is really the routing and office workflows is where you get a lot of your efficiency gains. So, um, you know, it's it's a toss-up. You're, you're looking at a bigger, a bigger pie to eat if you're going to do workflow, too, and it's going to cost you a little more. We ended up buying workflow with ours, and we're thrilled that we did now because we got over that sort of curve. But um, at first we were thinking, well, well, just scan and store and retrieve. That's all we want to do. Now we have, we're, we're hooked. The financial aid office in particular is hooked on all the workflows and what ease of access all this stuff brings. So, so um, financial aid is a perfect example of a place that is a great uh, opportunity to save money because they were storing mountains of paper in in financial aid, you know, they're storing Form 1040s for all the students that get, um, well, actually for many of the students that get financial aid, there's Form 1040s. There's a room half this size that was full of documents. And when we did the cost-benefit analysis to buy the EDMS, we realized we'd get that square footage back, and that's a valuable asset that we get back to use, and that's how I sort of did the cost-benefit analysis on it. Uh, And I guess another thing I want to point out here is almost all of these things are Microsoft-centric solutions. Even Oracle's product is essentially runs on Windows boxes. So this is a Windows box solution that we've got here. This is the way they delivered it to us. So, So what happens is we choose this thing. Sorry about these I really meant to go in and take all these out, but these transitions, you know, I wanted them to come up as one button push. But, um, so we bought the product. Part of buying the product was uh, a relationship with a third-party vendor who comes and does the installation, teaches everybody how to use it, and then disappears into the night. I got involved in the project after they had come and installed it and disappeared into the night. Well, except for they they disappear in the night, but they keep charging you. So, um, but this is the way it was uh, delivered. And this will go up on the UCCSC uh, resources area. And, and rather than read all these things to you, you can go back and look at these. I'll just try to sort of lead you through this so that if you're interested, you can go back and find some of this stuff because it's just – you know, I'm sort of a detail-oriented person, and there's a lot of details. And I also apologize for how old the presentation looks. You know, I see some of these these younger guys. You know, they have all these cool f- animations and stuff, and it makes me feel like I'm, I'm totally in some other century. But in any event, this is what I know how to do. It's, it's fastest for me to put these things together like this. One day I'll come out with some fancy animations. Um but anyway, uh, the vendor managed to convince us that we should, instead of using Oracle databases, which our SIS is, that we should use SQL Server, um, we wanted to do the scanning. Uh, part of this whole thing is, is the architecture. Uh, we wanted to do the scanning in the offices, but we wanted to put the system in the data center. Um, we needed a dedicated Microsoft domain in the data center, which is... Uh, pertinent, as you'll see as we go along. Um, one of our data stores, the admissions people thought that they needed to put a whole lot of attributes in the system. I think it, there, there was some misunderstanding on their part that what they really wanted to do is transfer a bunch of the student information system information into the document management system. I think that's a mistake. I think that's a mistake because, in fact, you should... Wherever you're doing your business now, you you should keep doing your business. Then you should integrate the the document management system to that system where you're doing your business, not sort of look at this as as the white knight who's ridden in to save your your soul. You, You still have the problem with your legacy system. If it doesn't do what you want it to do, you should focus on it to get it to do what you want it to do, but just... Integrate your document system so that you can bring up documents with the stuff that's going on. Because generally speaking, that's where you're doing your business is in your is in your legacy system. They thought they would transfer a bunch of attributes out of the out of the student information system into the document management system, but that really just created all kinds of, of havoc. And in fact, our vendor, our vendor warned us about that and we ignored them. We just did this anyway, and now we're going through trying to get rid of it. Um, we had heterogeneous Microsoft environments, as you guys that are at Davis know. The way our world works is we have a central IT, and then we have all these sort of distributed IT groups because the business uh, functions didn't really have IT support, so they became supported on their own uh, budgets because they needed someone, they got somebody in their their own offices. So everybody has their own environment. We don't have like a cookie cutter that just goes, okay, big stamp comes down and says, everybody's using XP version so and such or other, blah, blah, blah. They're heterogeneous. Every LAN, every subnet is its sort of own management. And that's a nightmare with with Microsoft stuff. Microsoft, as you, you people know, Martha's an expert on it, um, Microsoft wants you to be, every, everybody wants to be in one place, and and it works better that way. And, in fact, they even, you know, it, it's almost like it's a highway robbery. They sort of hold you up and say, okay, if you guys aren't in the same place, you better be in the same place by this time, and you better pay us for everything that you install. Um the way we did the administration on this was we we conceived it as we would have one administrator sort of in the data center that would sort of handle the whole thing, and then there would be distributed administrators in each of the departments because their data stores uh, need to be administered by them. And and so this is something, you know, that's a value that I think is well worth thinking about. You know, there's a lot of discussion about... um, centralized and decentralized computing, there's a balance. I think there's a, there's the appropriate balance, and that's what we're looking for is the balance. I don't think we should keep trying to swing back and forth like we sort of have been doing. Even the industry sort of leads us there because we spend more money when, when that happens, is my opinion. Um, so... Uh, So we wanted to have this distributed yet centralized thing. That made it a little bit weirder. Um, So there's staff in the departments and there's staff in the data centers. Uh, We tried to do all of the sort of server end stuff together so it was cheaper that way and administered in one place. Um, There's a rotating staff that originally was conceived as being provided by each of the departments, So when I say rotating staff, I mean, you know, you always have um, purchasing things that you have to do and, and, you know, administrative things that you have to do and regular license paying and all that kind of stuff. We were going to rotate that around between the three departments or as many departments as we got to do the project together, but we have come to understand that that doesn't work very well because you have this training curve that you're always retraining these rotating staff. So now we've... I think I've got the management to agree that we should just stick with one set of trading staff and financially um, pay the department who does all that. I'm the 30% manager from Student Affairs. Student Affairs just gives me to the project because it was a joint project that we wanted to see get off the ground, and we know the promise of document management. So... um, Martha's in the data center. Or was originally in the data center, a halftime person. She's our architect, and you can ask her the technical questions. Really, I, I'm pro- I'm the pinheaded manager here. I'm not the. I don't really know that much about the bits and bytes of the thing. Um, and then this is this is that thing that I I never know what to say here, you know. Martha would be the securities admin master, but she's a woman, and and I don't think mistress gives the wrong connotation. So, I've never known what to do about that. Uh, so our first issue was that as installed, they didn't give us a. Oops, sorry, they didn't give us a test instance. Chief. Chief. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was cheap. It was cheap. Chi- chief, chief, at master. Chief, chief. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I like that. That sounds good. Well, architect, I think, is far more, is a, is a good title, too. So um, the, our biggest issue in the first place is as delivered, they, they, they didn't deliver the test instance. It said clearly in the RFQ that they would deliver a test instance. And while they, I guess for legal purposes, did deliver one, they, what they essentially did was say, just test on your production system. And they gave us a couple of boxes that we could, you know, set up. But but as you guys know, you can't really do things like that. You have to almost have an exact mirror of what you've got in production in test, or else when you go to migrate stuff, you, ca- you cause yourself all kinds of headaches and things don't necessarily work. You go into tests, you test it, then you, te- then you go into prod and it's not working. And And we can't stand that. I mean, we've got... We're talking about three offices that, that support 35,000 students. It's crazy. You know, you can't have your system down. In fact, nowadays, um, I guess this is a good place to tell the story about how financial aid in their first year got behind on their scanning. You know, in other words, it, it happens to everybody, I think. I, I think most departments don't realize how much labor is involved in these things, and they get behind on their scanning. Now, all the labor comes up front with a document management system because once you get it into the system, all the rest of the stuff is easy. It's just getting the document into the system. Well, they got behind on their scan. They were a couple of weeks behind, and they threw their arms up in the air, and they said, wait, 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 we can't do this anymore. We're going to have to go back to the old system. The old system was they had a wall about the size of the one that Patrick's sitting on back there that was full of all the documents they got from the students from, you know, the time that they got admissions in uh, chronological order. And that's the way they kept track of everything. So they tried to go back to that while they, quote, caught up. But as it turned out, they were all screaming by the first week saying, we've got to go back to using the system. And from that day, they have never said that again. And they will never say that again. And now they all love the system. When we we show it to people, they all say, oh, I don't know how we did it before. So anyway, Prada's test was this. I mentioned the Microsoft domain controllers again because these Microsoft-centric solutions, okay, document management system is several boxes, as you'll see here it's several boxes that tie together. So they're like clusters. They're not really like research clusters, but they're like clusters because you have to have all these systems. And, um, you know, when you start talking about Microsoft's structure, you got these domain controllers, and then you want to have backup domain controllers. Well, all that stuff's got to go in the data center, and we have SLAs on every one of those boxes. And, as you know, the SLAs are not cheap. You know, it's... We wanted to be able to look at this whole thing like, oh, we don't want to have to deal with all the hardware and software, so we'll go to the data center, and they'll provide all that stuff for us, which is true, but but it's so different when you have one box. But now, you know, we're looking at five boxes, and the cost of the SLAs is as much or more than the hardware itself. So it becomes quickly expensive to do these things, so you got to be really smart about the way you do them. So this is the way that it was delivered to us in the, in the D.C. This is our student information system, and um, I'll also, I mean, you can see the color of my hair. You know that you know I've been around for a long time, and this is the way systems have been for years. They're sort of, they're almost mainframe-ish, but they're client-server systems. But, but Oracle systems, you know, you buy one box, you put everything on there, and you run the one box, and that's pretty much it. You know, you run Oracle Forms, the Oracle RDBMS, and then you write all this code that you run against it. But m- these Microsoft systems are not like that. As you can see, there's all these different systems, and they all have different code that runs on them, and they, they work together. So it's a little bit weird, but anyway, th- this is the way the student information sat behind these firewalls to protect them from all this... Garbage, as you guys have been listening to, as the days go along here, and then we were also put on what I have been referring to as the riffraff channel in the data center. There's there was, ton, there's tons of different kinds of customers that go on this channel right here. You know, academic department servers, um, uh, dean's office servers, all kinds of stuff that that's going on right there. And that channel wasn't protected because, you know, at, at one time we weren't putting firewalls on everything. But at some point, the edict came that we must put firewalls on everything. So, So not only did we not have a test instance, but we didn't have any firewalls, and we were also on the riffraff channel. So, um, so the first thing we did was this. We more or less split the SIS in half, built... Uh, a matching test instance behind the firewalls. And I will also say, you know, I, maybe I should cover this up so no one can hear me say that, that originally we put, we put these on their own subnets on the RiffRaff channel and bought firewalls for them. So now start counting those boxes. That's a boatload of boxes out there, and they all come with SLAs, and they all cost us, and they cost us in many other ways, too. They cost us in performance. They cost us in, you know, just every single way. And I've also drawn in this drawing, so it's a little bit unfair, but I wanted to make the point that there's proliferation of boxes here, right? Did I make the point? I hope so. It's a very busy slide. They, They will tell you that never make slides like this. Uh, This is, we started also on campus, actually Martha did it, um, the Zeta services where you can go get Microsoft Outlook services from the campus and all of the departments and OU uh, uh, organized research units have, not all of them but many of them have uh, their own uh, OU as it's called in, in Microsoft parlance here in the Zeta services. That will come in later when, when I talk about some of the, the need integrations and stuff that get, to get done. I'm going to have to speed up here. I apologize for this, but I was late. So this is the first things that we did to, to solve those problems. Um, I think I already explained that to you. So those are the first changes we did. So then the next issues we started looking at were the metadata. Uh, we want to get rid of those 220 attributes, and, and I'm here to tell you that we still haven't done it. So, uh, And that's one of the lessons that we learned. When you make a mistake at the beginning and do your integration, you're going to suffer. You're going to pay later because it's going to take you a lot longer to migrate out of the mistake that you made and get it to a place where you can and keep everything working, <laughs> So that's, that's the real trick in all this, and that's, that's the point I'm trying to make to you. If you can get it delivered from the vendor the right way the first time, you'll save a lot of money. Um, there's the issue of getting the student information system data into the metadata. Again, our contractor delivered that to us as sort of the 30-year-old solution extracting text SQL statements from Banner and then uploading them into the metadata. And furthermore, remember, you have the synchronization problem. Here's your student information system running over here. And in fact, people come in and change their names. You know, so their first name and their last name, something you might think of as a primary key, is definitely not a primary key and should never be. But people come and change their names if you take the data out of the SIS and then put it into the document management system and then you change it in the SIS, what's going to happen in the document management system if you're using name as a way to look up their documents? Their documents are going to be lost in cyberspace. So you have to figure out a way to deal with that, and the way our vendor decided to deal with that is wipe out the metadata every so often And download all the data from the student information system into the metadata. Not a tremendously good way to do it. The 220 attributes, not a good idea. Uh, The SIS has always been sort of protected by stewardship around here. The registrar's in control of the SIS and always will be. You know, so in other words, what I was trying to say about that is the fact that student information system is a system of record. You're offloading data from that to the system that you're integrating to it. And you must make sure that that data is in sync, or else it'll create all kinds of problems for you. Uh, the heterogeneous departmental environments, I explained that already, I believe. Um, we also found that we were using Eudora. One of our departments was using Eudora for email. We were trying to get everybody to go to the Zeta services, you know, all the Outlook services. We still are t- trying to do that. Um, that w- we found that uh, see w- the way the system works is it allows you to get things from email uh, attachments and of documents of any type. You can put documents of any type and pictures and anything you want to put into this thing. Um, We found that when you saved emails into the document management system, they would come out corrupted. The document management um, client wouldn't show them correctly. So we came up with a workaround for that, but that basically boiled down to the fact that um, actually the guy in the department that was having this problem pointed out to us that it really was the fact that Microsoft doesn't adhere to MIME standards. That's what it boils down to. Not strictly speaking. And MIME standards aren't real standards anyway. They're just sort of accepted standards. So that's what was happening there. Um, finally, we've convinced them to quit using Endora, but we still have this sort of corrupted data, so you got to be careful about stuff like that. Um, the different integrations here is a reference to the fact that you can integrate to many systems. Um, we had obsolete OSs. So, our next set of solutions was something like this. Um, This one's kind of important for security reasons. Um, Just because this is a security seminar, I'll point out the fact that if you have all your stuff in the data center, you need to build a sort of a perimeter around the data center, and you can't really let anybody in there. No hacking allowed, because if you let people hack your data center, then everything is exposed. Um, but that also means then that the data center has to trust the departments to build a perimeter around their subnets and their, and their LANs and their WANs. And I don't know how your campus is, but our campus data center doesn't really trust us is what it boils down to. So they're very strict about what we can do on those lands, and we had to make agreements about the way we set up the workstations and what software runs on the workstations that does the scanning and stuff like that. Not that big of an issue, but again, uh, you have to fix that, and you have to sort of go through those things. Um, We decided, instead of trying to convince the people on the subnets in the departments to each use the same versions of Microsoft hardware and software and stuff. We figured, Martha figured that it was way easier to do it this way, and I think it did work out quite well. So we just bought a few boxes to do terminal services and let everybody in to the document management system through terminal services instead of having a fat client on their workstations. And that has the effect... That has many effects. It makes it easier to troubleshoot all your problems. It gets rid of all your heterogeneous uh, Microsoft operating system problems. And that's huge when you've got a few number of employees handling a huge database like this. We also decided to get rid of SQL Server and put it in Oracle databases, which is what we asked for in the first place. Again, if we'd have gotten what we asked for in the first place, it would have been way cheaper, way easier. Martha ended up helping our third-party vendor figure out what Oracle's all about because they only knew about SQL Server, and that's the reason we ended up with it in the first place is the solution provider Highland. They're just used to Microsoft stuff, and they're not used to Oracle stuff. So, uh, But for us on campus, that's a big deal, too. We have all these people that are trained in Oracle. We had we had nobody... Uh, well, not nobody. Very few people that are SQL Server people. So tool set and everything. You can't even teach the departments to go look at what their problems might be. So this is uh, the next iteration of hardware, and... As you can see, it takes a few terminal servers. We have uh, 120 users. It takes a few terminal servers in production. Uh, The terminal servers can only handle X number of users. So here's our terminal servers, and there's our terminal server in test. We still have this configuration. So proliferation of boxes all over the place, but we're getting to a place where we're not having any performance problems. The people are having easy time doing all this stuff. Upgrades are going faster. Everything was much better here. And we're all protected by the student information system firewalls. And we're all sort of together in one subnet. That is the way that it should have been designed in the first place. And I will also say that I think, um, for those of you here from IT, you know that I was trying to sort of preach about what we were really doing here is extending the student information system with unstructured data and that it should be thought of as one system but that's not the way the culture acts the culture likes to think of every single box as its own world you know so it's it's tough enough to get them to realize that this is one system let alone that this is one system in terms of hardware yeah. Doesn't every campus you kind know, of learn this on their own, based on their own culture? Yeah, probably. Uh, Peter asked, uh, "Doesn't every campus have to learn this stuff on their own, based on their own culture?" Because there's a, uh, I guess your point is, is because there's different separations of centralized and decentralized stuff on every campus. Yeah, and in each campus is different. I know some are way decentralized and some are way centralized. And the, these things won't be the same for everyone, but I will say this. I will say that just generally out there in the world, this is these trends that I've been talking about here, you know, multiple boxes to run systems and decentralization in terms of, you know, of, of one box and a bunch of code or a bunch of boxes and distributed places, those issues are all going on all the time out there. And, and it is true that in, in the world of systems integration, you have to deal with all of that stuff. So, here's the next change that we did. So, in essence, what we did here is get rid of all those, uh, oh, no, no, here's, the controllers are still here, aren't they? Uh, Oh, yes, right. So, we're still proliferating boxes here. Now, we're up to a whole bunch of boxes because we still have domain controllers, you know, duplicated domain controllers. Oh, yeah, another thing I didn't point out is, is that the firewall, the reason I drew them like this instead of just one firewall is because we have you know, uh, fail, uh, fail-safe firewalls. If one firewall fails, it fails over to the other one. So we really have to buy two firewalls for each uh, subnet. But anyway, so now if you count the boxes, you know, it starts to get really pretty insane. Um, and I will point out here before we go on that here's the Campus Zeta Services, and this is its own domain. So here's the next performance problem we were having. Um, I, t- I alluded to it before. The, the autofill and real-time indexes is this. <clears throat> the way it was designed from the vendors was you take all this data out of the student information system and you put it in the document management system. And then the autofill thing is about, you know, when you're, when you're creating indexes for your documents, you often have compound indexes. You know, you you have uh, student ID in combination with name, in combination with quarter or whatever. And each each of the departments has their own idea about how they want to combine these things to get a unique identifier that will identify their documents. Well, our vendor originally told us that it would be best if we take the data out of Banner and put it into... Um, the document management system so that it's there available for them. As they're indexing, they just have to push buttons that sort of pop up these attributes that then populate the fields and then they say index, they hit index. Well, it turns out you can do this in real time. You can just do your lookups to the student information system to populate those things. And we had a little, we were a little worried about that strategy because in the past performance has been an issue, but, you know, against the student information system, all these queries to the student information system to get these things for, you know, one-shot deals for one document at a time, but it turns out that really isn't an issue. That stuff is really pretty fast. That that works really nice, and especially because we're on the same subnet, proximate to those systems. They don't have to go through firewalls. They don't have to do anything. They're right there next to each other, so that's pretty good. Um, this idea of metadata on a diet is what I was saying about admissions having all these attributes. You really only want to have like 10 attributes when you, you know, uh, save metadata for the for the document management system. In fact, I've sat down with the main programmers in all three of those departments, and we've more or less decided you really only need one attribute, and that's student ID, and You know, for for other reasons, it's nice not to have all those attributes in there. Every time somebody thinks that an attribute is uh, personal data, your security problems ramp up. So we're going to try to go for a very low number of attributes in the metadata as time proceeds here. There's also this whole license management stuff of these systems. I, I, I hate this stuff. I hate license management Because I'm all about trying to deliver performance and service to students by using automation. And these license management schemes, that's all about protecting um, the vendor's uh, source of income. So, in a way, I think that they're sort of looking at the wrong people. I mean, we're not trying to cheat them. We pay these licensing fees, and yet... We're the ones that suffer from this because it slows down their system and it stops us from doing things. The way this particular license management system works is when it runs out of licenses, this this thing stops because of this bad uh, application error escalation scheme that they used. You know, robust systems recover from errors and report those errors and then let systems administrators do stuff to fix that. This system stops the system. You have to have a system administrator get in there and click through it. Well, at least it used to. Maybe we've got that fixed. We do have that fixed. Martha is shaking her head over there. Yes, we have that fixed. But when you don't know how the application works, you, it, it really does cause all kinds of grief. Um, and then that same point I made before about the business springing from the student information system. Then we have these other sorts of problems. We use tokens on our on our SIS. We managed to get that stuff integrated so that you use the same token on the SIS as you use on the document management system. That That is a cute little trick that we uh, took advantage of some other uh, LDAP um, integrations that the data center had done for other systems, and we just sort of rode piggyback on that and made that happen within our system, which is great because we sort of get it for free. And um, that makes everybody happy because you, these uh, tokens are really nice because it's a one-time token. You know, to log in, it's a one-time password and it changes all the time. So our systems are really quite safe. Um, the, the users are managed in a couple of different places, which I don't like. We hope that ID management will help us fix that. Um, these Microsoft-centric applications, even though I've never been a big Microsoft fan, one thing that's nice about them is, is Microsoft stuff integrates with other Microsoft stuff easily. So the Outlook services, the Zeta services I've been talking about here, they actually integrated quite easily. We got to have features from Zeta services for our departments. Again, sort of like free integrations. Those are the things you want to try to take advantage of because we spend so much money on all this other stuff. Uh I'd really like to tell you this story in more detail than I have time for. But we had to fire that vendor that originally delivered us the product. They just they're in Detroit, they really didn't know what was going on with us. They couldn't spend a lot of time with us. They tried to do this sort of remote management thing, but more than anything, they had this idea that every time they had us on the phone, we were on the on the clock and they were charging us $120 an hour to talk to us. And in fact, We pay licensing fees to get application support, so we just fired them because we got tired of them charging us to help us straighten out the system that we sort of saw as being in not installed in the way that we asked to have it installed anyway. And actually, it was very refreshing for us because a new set of eyes on the application comes in, looks, and says, oh, look, here's some easy things you can do. Do this, do this, do this, and sure enough, straighten it out. And those new guys that we have are here in Roseville, and they come over, and they learn our system, and they learn our business. That's what you want to do is create a relationship with somebody who's close. I, I know, you know, remote computing is a big deal, and people say that cyberspace means that space doesn't matter, but not for stuff like this. It does matter. Who are the new guys? Uh, A group called uh, Nico Industries out in Roseville. Really, they're great guys. They're a small kind of a mom-and-pop shop, so in a way it's not a very good match with the University of California. But, you know, on the other hand, they're really dedicated to trying to learn our stuff. They've been really good about about giving us stuff for free that the other vendors used to charge us for. And... um, and plus, uh, they also have some really good uh, architectural level understanding of hardware. I don't know that we ever saw that from the vendor from Detroit. They were they were better. They were really good with sort of customer interface, but they just didn't have the technical understanding that we needed. And so the DBA they gave us one time, I just I just thought we could just pick anybody off the street and and have have it be as good as this, you know. So. Uh, So this is the last iteration. So what we did is we got rid of those. We're using the Zeta production domain controllers now. We got rid of them. What? Yeah, yeah, sorry. She always tells me I say the wrong things. But but anyway, the bottom line is, is that... These Microsoft controllers work on campus enterprise-level systems. There's, this is an enterprise-level system. There's no reason not to use those domain controllers, so it cuts the box number. And then another thing we did, which is goes against what I was saying we, we should do, notice that we took the test instance and we threw all the software on one because it's a test instance. We don't, we're, we're testing and messing around in there. The thing goes down. We don't care. And actually, we've learned when we migrate into production that um, we've we've learned the things that you need to do to make sure that this is tested in a way that it's delivered in production. So it's still kind of a high box count, you know. It's still like eight or more. I think it's really 11 boxes in in production. Still a high box count, but still way lower than what we've done in the past. We have all those performance things that we got to add in there, and uh, we're really quite... Thrilled with it. So, what I wanted to do here was be able to show you here's the difference between what we had at one point and what we had at another point. So, it goes to show you that I think architecture is very important, and you need a Microsoft architect. You know, you can't, you know, I knew enough probably about the Oracle architecture to get by, but without Martha, I'd have been dead because I just am not a Microsoft guy. So here are some of the advantages we have. I'm going to rush here now because we're getting short on time. I think I've talked almost. Uh, here's one thing I didn't mention. This is what's really groovy about having it all in Oracle database. The Oracle database we can program in PL/SQL. And it's super fast, and they're sitting right next to each other. And actually, Patrick has been advocating, and I I hope to one day, we're just going to put all those tables in Banner because Banner is sort of backed up and disaster-recovered as an enterprise-level system, which it is. We might as well just put all those tables in the Banner tables and have everything all together in one place, and we'll get rid of another instance of Oracle, in fact. Um, Another thing that Oracle has is this SSN encryption in the database. So if someone comes and steals the database, they get nothing because they'll get encrypted Social Security numbers. So uh, this is something we did quite a while ago after UCLA. Anybody here from UCLA? After UCLA had that big uh, disaster where they stole their whole student information system database, we, we listened and fixed that. Uh, and the db refresh cycle, it, you know, you have to sync sync those up. So there's more issues to deal with. We're working on these. Um, Virtualization is a big deal. We're, we're, we're going to do a bunch of that and save even more time and money. Uh, One other thing I wanted to point out to you is is that, like in Banner, there's all this source code, this inline source code that we deal with, and we've modified that, and that causes us all kinds of grief and expense. These systems, these document management systems, there's not really any programming involved. In fact, they won't give you the source code. What it is is it's it's scriptable stuff. You put scripts around in the right places, so you're able to modify it and configure it without... Causing yourself any grief in long-term maintenance, so that's groovy about these, and I'm um, I'm thrilled about that. And this other thing here is another important part about it. When you go to do it, the vendors the vendors have a tendency not to be very technically oriented, and they sort of ignore the fact that these. Things have APIs, and that means you can hook into your inline code that you have on campus to call the document management system, and the licensing for that is way cheaper when you do it that way too. So focus heavily on that and get that as part of the installation. We didn't do that. We had to go out and buy that separately, but it's a big deal. And then the other thing I wanted to say, I think I've said this already once, but I wanted to show you that it's just... Uh, I was a coach for 15 years. And those skills that I learned doing that feed right into project management. And it's amazing how important it is for you to, to see the future and share it with the teams. And that means whether they're in your division or in your department or in another division, or in other departments. And that's not an easy thing to do because they all work for other management. But somehow you have to be able to get that vision so that everybody's pulling in the same direction to get these changes that you want. Because what I haven't really been talking about here is is that even though technically these changes that I've did I did, did I lose you on all these changes? Did you, did you understand what I was saying when I was talking about all these changes? It wasn't just a blur of stuff. For technical people, those are very easy changes to understand. But man, when you're talking about culture, it's it, the, the smallest changes can be very difficult to get to happen. So here's the way things looked before we started build, doing our team building exercises. This is what you get at the end. Everybody feels like they're part of the same team, and that, and that the message is that it's students that we care about. It sh- it shouldn't matter what our internal divisions are and all that stuff. And really, I think that was that was the biggest challenge we had on this project was getting everybody to understand. Yeah. Okay, Where's the difference? I, I see the difference. How, you get how do you get from one place to the other? Hey, that's well, that's a that's a whole nother presentation for a management <laughs> seminar, but. I would say that the real tra- uh, my opinion. My opinion is this: you have to have a vision, and you have to share that vision with all these people. And if that means you need to get them all in one room and have one person talk to them, we didn't do that in this case. In fact, Martha sort of handled the data center, and Patrick was helpful in doing that. And uh, and um, we tried as best we could. Oh yeah, okay. So I'm done here. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Pretty much. That's really what it boils down to. Then the other technical issues here are loose versus tight coupling. I can say without a doubt that loose coupling works better for these systems. Loose is the winner. And, uh, whoops, oh, notice in my presentation, uh, okay, sorry, I screwed this up. Notice in my presentation that I have a slide in here that has glossary, So you can't read this here, but you can get it off the website and help with the grocery. Send me emails. I'm happy to answer any questions that you might have. Thank you for for coming.